Welcome to this latest edition, this special edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this Monday, August 10th, 2020. I'm your host, uh, Surreal Gerald Quinn, uh, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, we are streaming live, one of our rare live shows, but you know, occasionally tossing a couple live shows on YouTube, so you can uh, hit me up on the chat line. I'm on the, on, the, on the live chat line uh, that YouTube has. Of course, this, this broadcast will be uh, be available towards any towards Block Talk Radio on Block Talk Radio, as well as Apple, as well as other podcasting uh, platforms. Um, quick update on um, our Wire podcast, the Wire Remix, of course, that which that's which. We, Myself, along with Rob, Seth, Doug, normally does on uh, do on Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings. That is being moved to Monday night for this particular uh, Monday evening. So that that show is still going to happen. Um, we didn't do it yesterday. Had to get had to push it back to uh, for today. That will be that will come out um, sometime later this evening. Uh, I would say. Mm, 11, 11.30 later on this evening. So that is still a go as we are at uh, episode two, excuse me, season two, episode uh, seven, Backwash. So, you know, stay tuned for that. So just, you know, a little update on that. Busy weekend uh, in the world of sports. Um, We're going to leave with the college football. That has been the news of the day. Uh, A lot of conflicting reports. Um, It just came, just, just came over the wire maybe 30 minutes ago that the Big Ten has um, has disputed reports that they uh, voted to cancel the college football season. Now, about two hours ago, I'm going to say about 12 o'clock, there was a report out of the Detroit Free Press that the Big Ten decided to cancel college football for the fall, for the fall and that their votes were 12 to 2. Now this report has just come out that they have not, they have yet to, uh, they have, that was not the case, and a decision probably was going to come more than likely by tomorrow. I expect that the Big Ten will cancel for uh, that the Big Ten will cancel football for the fall. Now again, there's a possibility that it will be played in the spring, but I don't think you're going to see. My, my personal opinion, I don't think you're going to see fall fall football. We've already seen the MAC. Be the first FBS uh, FBS school uh, conference to cancel. We saw that on we saw that on Saturday. Um, it seems like these other pop. Then you had an emergency meeting take place uh, by the power by the Power Five conferences this weekend regarding fall sports. Um, and a number of sources, a number of reports have come have come out that said that that uh, that said that college sports more than likely will be canceled by the end of the week. It's just a matter of which one of these Power Five conferences, uh, you know, it will be the first to um, to uh, to cancel fall sports. It seemingly like it seemed like the Big Ten was was, was going to be the first to do that, but again, we just received reports that the Big Ten has yet to decide, has yet to vote on canceling the the football season for the fall. And I, I'm gonna put an emphasis on that for the fall because just because they cancel football for the fall does not mean that they will not try to play college football in the spring. That is definitely, without question, a possibility. Um, I, you know, again, I think it will be canceled. I think college football for the fall will be canceled. I think and I will predict that the SEC will be the last to hold out, to be will be the last conference to uh, fall in line in terms of canceling college football. Now, the players – you know, a lot of players, you have some players, some prominent players that have come out and spoken against it, led by, you know, two guys who are probably going to be number one and two draft picks in next year's draft or whenever the NFL draft takes place, takes place, you know, 2021, hopefully in 2021. Who knows with this pandemic? Uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, <coughs> and Justin Fields, the two great quarterbacks from, from Clemson, and Ohio State, who will be running, who if there's a college football season, will be running neck and neck in terms of the Heisman vote, in terms of uh, you know the Heisman um, as Heisman as one and two in terms of Heisman candidate candidates. Um, Lawrence has, came, has come out with a series of tweets 
saying that, you know, players basically saying that players will be safer on campuses with their teams, with the medical, with the, you know, with the medical care that they would have, would be accessible, um, you know, be accessible to than they would if they were, were sent home and there was no college football. Now, he's not all the way, he's not all the way wrong. And this was not, this was a, to me, this is not a 20 year old, how age is, 19, 20 year old, just dismissing the pandemic, dismissing COVID and just saying, we just want to play football. We don't care about people dying. This is not that. Uh, what he is saying is, you know, there are guys on this team who have act who have access to top medical care within the university that will not have that type of access if they are going if if they are sent home with the college football season being canceled, um, and will be more let and be more likely to catch COVID being at home. And he's, listen, he's not he's not wrong from that standpoint. Um, from that standpoint, uh, from where he's coming, I could. I, totally understand where he's coming from from that standpoint you gotta remember these guys have been training since february some of these you know we know it stopped but these guys train college college sports is year-round sports in general professional and college has become year-round there's no there's basically no off-season especially for football i mean these guys start fall practice spring practice in march with the spring game now many a lot of these games got canceled this year um, some of these games were canceled this year because of COVID, but um, these guys train year round, so they put in a lot of work, and is you know they've been working out, working throughout the summer for the most part. They returned, many of them returned back in uh, in June, and we've uh, had a couple outbreaks. You've had remember at the beginning, in particular March and April, you had a number of outbreaks. Those outbreaks have kind of slowed down in college football. You haven't heard too many of them as of late. At least I haven't as of late in the last month or so. Jim Harbaugh came out, University of Michigan coach came out and said that we've had a we've had, you know, out of like three hundred and forty possible tests that we've had uh, zero positive tests. So he's promoting he wants, you know, he's on board to uh to there being college football this season, to to there being college football in the fall. But the bottom line is um college football Similar to the NFL, did not have a plan for this pandemic, and that, and you can speak, you can even go as high as the, our government, our government, our president, not having a plan for this pandemic and not taking it seriously. Uh, college football, along with the NFL, had plenty of time to to look at, you know, to plan worst case scenario, like what if this, what if there is an outbreak, what do we do? How do we, do we delay the season? Can we, could, you know, can we move the season back up, you know, back to the spring? Uh, can we create situations like the NBA in terms of bubble situations, multiple bubble situations during the season? All this, all these conversations should have been had over the course of March, April, May, June, and in June and July in particular. College football and NFL had plenty of time, plenty of time, more than enough time to have these conversations. The bottom line is both college football and the NFL did not take this, did not take COVID seriously. The NBA, Major League Soccer did look at the results. You know, it's no, it's no, it is not, it is not a coincidence that the NBA has had zero, I mean zero positive tests inside the bubble uh, since they entered the bubble uh, in, in, in uh, July. It's not a coincidence. In middle in, in mid July or late July, well mid July I should say, it's not a coincidence. And as we speak, the NBA is already planning for possibly, and you heard some of this talk over the course of the weekend and late last week, possibly having multiple bubbles going into next season. That talk is already; those conversations are already being had. Obviously, they can't do one whole bubble for the entire season, but having multiple bubbles around the country for uh, for next season. That's why the NBA. That's why the NBA is is what it is in terms of that, in terms of handling uh, this situation. And it's been it's been the bubble, the play. You know, we'll talk we'll talk more NBA later on the program. But the play, the level of play, and how they've handled this situation has been nothing short of you know spectacular. But 
in regards to college football, there was no plan whatsoever. I can't, I don't blame the players for wanting to play. Um, their natural instincts are to play football. Um, and again, Trevor Lawrence, as you read some of those tweets, those tweets are not, you know, I've seen, I've seen a number of people who have just kind of dismissed COVID, whether it's going back to schools, whether it's going back to work, whether it's getting the economy going. This was and just completely talking out of their ass. This is not. This was not the case with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'll give him credit. It was well. These were well thought out tweets. They were not emotional tweets. He brought up some some valid points in regards to the medical and healthcare. Um, in in you know on the university on the on you know on campus versus at home. So I you know I, I'm not knocking him at all. The problem is college football, unlike the NBA, just doesn't have a plan. And once that season starts, you will see these cases. If they were the start of season, those cases would go through the roof. They would actually go through the roof in regards to uh, positive tests. There's no question. They would not make it through the season. They would not get through the season. And you would be putting thousands of players um, would be at risk over the court, you know, over Thousands of players will be at risk. Coaches, uh, anybody, trainers, personal train, uh, train, not personal trainers, medical trainers, athletic trainers. You know, it's so many people from football that have to um, to be a part of the process in getting these guys ready to, uh, in terms of practice, in terms of game day, things of that nature. And again, not including the travel. Again, so there's a lot of moving pieces for college football, which makes it almost impossible for there to be a season during the fall. Maybe in the maybe and maybe in the spring, when this thing is somewhat figured out. Um, hopefully, with a new administration in the in administration up top in, the, in terms of the government, and hopefully with a vaccine as well. But um, I don't see college football happening. In the fall. Um, I expect that. The Big Ten will announce tomorrow, more than likely. I would I would predict that the Big Ten will announce tomorrow, more than likely, that they're canceling uh, their fall sports, including college football, for the for the fall season, fall semester. And I think once the Big Ten goes, you will see Big Twelve, Pac twelve, and the other Power Five ACC and the other Power Five conferences kind of fall in line. Uh, fall in line and cancel their seasons, uh, cancel their fall seasons as well. So that's what's, that's what's going on in regards to college football. And remember, in terms of the players also, you had a group of players in the Pac-12 who were, who were advocating not to play not too long ago. Last, I think it was last week or the week before last. maybe have been last week. But they had a group, a group of players who did not feel comfortable with the safety protocols and with the situation testing and, and, and all the moving pieces to code moving pieces to um, to uh, testing in their respective uh, campuses and universities. So it's not like you know, it's not like all the players want to play. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like America. It's kind of like where the country is right now. You have a group of people who don't believe that COVID is that serious. Then you have a group of people who are actually following. You know, safety protocols with wearing masks and social distancing and doing what they're supposed to do. But the problem is, when everybody's not on the same page, you're going to have confusion and you're going to have chaos. And college football has there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of chaos right now with with college football. Again, I'm not dying. And the sad part about this, the sad part mm-hmm. about, that, about this entire situation in regards to college football is the players are the most organized. Like the play by far and away the players have been the players are acting like adults. They're more organized and, and have more better leadership qualities than the actual chancellors and commissioners and presidents of and who are running the NCAA. That's the sad that's the sad part about it. So we'll we'll see uh we'll see what transpires. Um, again, I love college football. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge college football fan. I, I absolutely, with a passion, 
love college football. And I, if you don't have college, if you don't have college football until the spring, I definitely will be one of those people, one of those fans who misses it dearly. But again, I've been consistent in terms of my thought thought process with, with this whole with COVID. It, there really should be no sports. I mean, it really outside in terms of team. Now again, the NBA so far, fingers crossed. Knock on wood, so far so good has 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 eight has has not only passed the test and has has aced the COVID test. Zero positive tests inside the bubble. Cannot and can't argue against that. Even if you even if you were like myself and didn't want there to be any team sports played play for the rest of 2020, you cannot argue with the results that the NBA is having, the level of play, zero positive tests. Baseball has been a disaster, as we all know, and probably will not make it through the season. I would even 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 only play in 60 games. Excuse me. And um, and college football and college football and, and uh, the NFL doesn't have a plan. Neither one of those leagues have a plan. So, um, I you know I've been steadfast and consistent on my thought process, thinking that there, there probably shouldn't be any team sports for the rest of 2020. And I anticipate that there probably more than likely will not be uh, college football in 20 for the rest of uh, in 2020. So if you're college football right now, what you should be thinking about instead of trying to fight to play, to play fall football is thinking about how the spring would look with college football, thinking about um, how you talking and really thinking about trying to figure out things about, you know, the NFL draft play because there will be a number of players who turn pro, well, pro prospects for 2021. What is it going to be for, like for those players? Things of that nature. And how's college football season going to look next year? That's what, the, that's what college football should be uh, doing right now, planning and preparing for. But it seems like to me that they're going to go out fighting for the college football season, for fall college football season 2020, which is which is an absolute mistake. But, you know, we'll see what happens with that. In regards to the NBA, uh, a big weekend of NBA basketball. Um, and, again, I you cannot – I can't give the NBA enough credit for how they've handled the how they handled the bubble, how they've handled COVID, how and also with the level with the level of play. It has had a NCAA tournament type feel with the afternoon games, with games coming seemingly left and right, games every day, game you know, and, and to be honest with you, and this is something that the NBA should look into, having a late game. At nine o'clock, that being the latest game, it's been brilliant. It's been beautiful. I mean, it's I, like having the last game, having the last game start at nine o'clock in around eleven thirty. You can't ask for anything more. There's something the NBA should think about moving moving forward. With some of these late starts in West Coast. I know ten thirty starts, ten o'clock, ten thirty starts, especially during playoff time. Uh, so the NBA has been uh, on fire. Throughout the course, uh, you know, despite what's going on around the, our country with COVID, um, I want to begin with uh, Milwaukee and Dallas uh, Saturday night primetime game, where you saw the present and the future of the NBA, uh, Luca versus versus the Freak, and it was a resounding victory for Luca in terms of that individual battle. Now I know the game, the, the um, the game was a close game, went right down to the wire. Matter of fact, was a went to went to overtime, and uh, Dallas, you know, pulled away in overtime. But as far as the individual matchup, Luca clearly won the clearly won the matchup. He went for 36-14 and 19 assists versus Giannis. Um, Giannis is 34-13 and five blocks. Now, Giannis is at the level. I didn't think Giannis even played well, to be honest with you. You say. The guy had 34 points, 13 rebounds, and five block shots. He also was like one for seven from three point range. He was not a major fat, non almost a non factor down the stretch. Um, in the fourth quarter and even in overtime, had a couple garbage baskets late in overtime to kind of pad his stats a little bit. But basically, was a non factor in that fourth quarter. 
And now, again, that will be that is Milwaukee's Achilles heel. Fourth quarter, half court offense. Can Giannis take that step to where you can throw him the ball and he's either going to get he's either going to create for other people or go to the foul line? We haven't seen it. We have not seen that consistently yet. It remains to be seen. That is the last step. Forget about his jump shot. That's the last step in his his development of being a championship caliber player. Can you give him the ball in the fourth quarter with the game on the line? And can he get you a bucket or go to the line? The flip side, we already know that answer for Luka, and it is a resounding yes. You can give Luka the ball. Either he is going to score the basketball or he's going to create for other people to watch the shots. Uh, Luca is without these two are without question the heir to the proverbial throne uh, in the NBA moving forward. Now, I like right now. I mean, I think right now Giannis is the best player in the world. People still want to hang on LeBron for a sentimental value, sentimental sake. Take, you know, year 17, age 35. Cool, LeBron's been great this year, but he's not the best player in the world. He's not even, I, in my opinion, I, Giannis, I would take Giannis, Kawhi, and Kevin Durant over LeBron James right now, period. So, still top five, but he's not the best player in the world. Giannis, to me, is the best player in the world. Kawhi is the best player in the postseason. We'll see how it plays out. With the playoffs coming up um, a week from today. Um, if Giannis wins the championship, then there'll be no discussion on the undisputed best player in the best player in the world. That that won't even be a conversation if Giannis wins the championship this year. He's gonna win a second straight MVP. But Luca, the thing about Luca is even at 21 years old, he pay, he plays at his own pace. The game never speeds up for Luca, and being twenty, like there's nothing physically Luca does that's spectacular. It's not fast. Doesn't jump out the building. He's not. He is. He is strong. Now he has. He has good size. Um, can see over the defense, over defenses. He just knows. He just knows how to play basketball. And you get a lot of young players, talented young players to come to the league. And it takes them two to three to four to five years to learn how to play basketball. Luca came in knowing how to play basketball. And that is an advantage that cannot be understated in the NBA. It really can't. This guy, is, like, he sees plays happen before they happen. He, um, you know, People want to call him a cross between Larry Bird uh, and, you know, call him a cross between Larry Bird and LeBron a little bit. He doesn't have LeBron's athleticism, but the passing. Larry Bird's, you know, cerebral, cerebral approach to game is understanding of the game. LeBron's understanding of the game, basketball IQ as well. Um, Magic Johnson's passing ability as well. So Magic Johnson's size. So kind of you know it's kind of a mixture of, of those two two to three players, but um, he's special uh, to say the least. And they that you know is it should be easy for the Dallas Mavericks to build around him. Porzingis can I think Porzingis can be the second star, can be a co-star. I think Porzingis has potential to be a second, um, a number two on a championship player. They just need to get some defensive players. Some guys who are committed to playing defense, Giannis and Porzingis develop their chemistry, and, and Dallas will be well on his way. Um, if you had a choice between Giannis and Luca, who would you take? You had a choice. Giannis is 25, Luca's 21, so age is really not that big of a factor. They both have yet to reach their primes. Giannis is not in his prime yet, even though he's won multiple MVPs. He's still he's just approaching his prime. He's just in the, in the midst of the in the beginning of his prime. Luca hasn't even approached his prime. 
the way the game is played, I know Giannis right now is a better all-around player defensively. He's not even close defensively. Giannis will probably be defensive player of the year. Probably have to lean towards Luka. Probably have to lean towards Luka. I think Giannis is a better player right now, but if you're asking me, I'm a general manager. Got to start a franchise who I'm starting with. I'm starting with Luka. Like, that combination of, of size, passing, guys are going to want to play with him. Um, 21 years old. And he still, I mean, he only shoots like 32% from three-point range. He still has a ways to go. He still can be a better shooter. He's, he still, you know, takes takes too many step-back three-point shots from, from my liking. Too many of those shots. He, those are not high-percentage high shots. Takes too many of those. He doesn't shoot... He doesn't shoot it as near as nearly as well as, as Harden. I say Harden does, but again, Harden is 29, 30, he's a 30 year old veteran. Luca's 21 years old, so give it time. He'll he'll develop that that part of his game, or he'll or he'll take less three point shots. I could see that, you know, one or the other. He's gonna do one or the other, but I would probably lean towards Luca if you made me have to uh, make a choice in terms of who I would take. The other big story in the NBA this weekend was uh, Damian Lillard versus the Clippers, and versus in in, in in you know in particular versus Paul George and, and, and Patrick Beverly. Uh, so they had a game on Saturday where uh, Portland lost to the Clippers one twenty two to one seventeen, which at the time was a horrible loss for Portland because the Clippers weren't even trying to win the game. I mean, the Clippers Kawhi Leonard doesn't play. Paul George sits out like was on the men's restriction, only played like I think twenty eight minutes, which by the way to me made no sense. By the way, like if you if you don't care about winning the game and you want to rest, just just go all out and rest, rest both of them. Like I, I like I don't didn't <laughs> I don't get resting one and playing the other. Like you're clearly playing for the playoffs, and you clearly like you don't care about your seating. Like, it's clear to me that the Clippers really don't care too much about their seating. Otherwise, you would see you would see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard wouldn't be resting games because it's not like they've had, they haven't had like four months off <laughs> in terms of rest. So, you know, again, there, there are a lot of conspiracy theories going around that the Clippers are trying to that teams are trying to angle to get the Lakers to play Portland. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, but you know, it, like. Clippers were still, you know, Clippers still went out there and, and won the game. But Lillard, and then at the time it was a bad loss for Portland. Lillard had a chance to give Portland the lead. He misses both free throws, and he was, then he's on the end. And he also missed a, a, a three-point shot, a shot that could have tied the game um, at one um, the game. I believe it was 119-116. He misses a three-point shot that could have uh, tied the game. Uh, that could have tied the game down the stretch or uh, at the end, north towards the end of the game. So he was only had 22 points. He was bad in the fourth quarter. Really was a non-factor in the fourth quarter. So he was taunted, of course, by Patrick Beverly with the you know with the time. You know what time it is sign uh, that that Lillard does and the you know the whole. This is what Lillard did to Oklahoma City last year when he put you know Paul George and Russell and Russell Westbrook out of the playoffs with the, with that ridiculous 37 foot shot in the first round. So I expected Patrick Beverly you know to go at um, Damian Lillard because this is what Patrick. Pat, and by the way, Patrick Beverly wasn't even playing in the game. Didn't even play in that game. I was on the bench, so it doesn't surprise me. That Lillard, that uh, Beverly went at Lillard, Paul George. No. All right. When I when I saw the Paul George tweets and when I saw Paul, I'm like, this is not even this is not who even Paul George is. And Lillard eviscerated both Beverly and Paul George via Twitter. Not even no, not even on just on Twitter, but even in the press conference, basically saying. Look, I put both of y'all at, at certain points, at, at various points of your careers, I've put you out and I put you out in a, in a, in a playoff series with game-winning shots. 
So what like what are we really talking about? I put both of y'all out of playoff series. In which both in which by the way, both those teams, Oklahoma City and Houston, were both favored to beat Portland in those in those series in 2014-2019. So you know, Beverly, we know, doesn't have the resume to come at to come at um, to come at Damian Lillard, and then Paul George. This is not even what he does. Paul George is not. This would battle rap. Paul George would be out of his element. He's not. Paul George is not even a trash talker. He's just not. He's not what Paul George does. But it had to be sticking in Paul George's crawl for him to come out and say this. And then you know he comes out on Twitter and says, "We're gonna put you out. We're gonna put y'all out this year." Like. If you're the Clippers and I'm Paul George, I'm not thinking about the Portland Trailblazers. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not because number one, I'm a superior team to them, and number two, we're not going to play. You know the way it's lined up right now, the Clippers wouldn't wouldn't meet Portland until the Western Conference Finals, and that's assuming Portland uh, wins gets into the playoffs and wins a play-in game. Portland might have to win two games. Just to uh, get just to get to the first round of the playoffs, if they if they finish depending on where they finish, it's not even a guarantee that Portland's going to be in the playoffs. I think that more than likely that they will, and that they will. If I I favor Portland to be to, to be the AFC, but there's no it's it's, it's, the, it's the furthest thing from being a guarantee. But anyway, if I'm if I'm playing for the Clippers. I'm Kawhi Leonard. I'm Paul George. I'm not thinking about the Portland Trailblazers at all. Like what? Portland, they're not even, they're not a contender. So from that standpoint, I didn't understand um, where Paul George was coming from, but Damian Lillard made perfect sense because Paul George is still bothered by that loss last year and that 37-foot shot that was hit in his face to end the playoff series, not just a game-winning shot, a series-ending game-winning shot. It's one thing to end the game, to end the game, but another thing to end a series with a game-winning shot. And then you had the back and forth, of course, with the you know got Damian Lillard's sister talking about got really got personal talking about Paul George's. Wifing up a, a you know a stripper having a baby by a stripper and you know it just got it got into theatrics at that point. Lillard did not participate in that; it was his sister. But um, yeah, and then Lillard, and this is what I love about Lillard. Lillard I think Lillard's probably. I think I was, I was thinking about this when I was prepping this podcast. I think Lillard's Lillard has reached a point where he's my favorite player right now because Lillard eviscerates Paul George and and and, and Beverly on on Twitter. And then drops fifty one against the Philadelphia in a in a in a game that Portland had to have against the Philadelphia seventy sixes in a back to back situation. So that's why it's what you love about Lillard. Lillard is a he's not a big talker. He really not now he will talk trash if he's pushed and continually pushed like like we see like we see Russell Westbrook continually comes at him. He destroyed Westbrook Westbrook last year in the playoffs. See Paul George. If you keep, if you come at him constantly, then he'll then he'll say something. But he's not. This, Lillard is not a big talk, trash talker. He, I mean, unless his game be the talking. He's the second best point guard in the league. He has been a great player for like the last better part of the last five years. He's been a great player. He's been a top player, All NBA caliber player for the last four to five years, and is a legit, legitimately one of the top ten players in the league without without question. Goes without saying. And everything you said about Paul George is true. I knocked you out of the playoffs. How many teams are you going to jump to? Went from Indiana, Oklahoma City. Now you go Oklahoma City to, to the Clippers. So these were facts. See, what they don't realize is Lillard is a battle rapper, man. This is what he did. This is what he does. Not going to win a world war. You're not going to win a world war with, with, uh, with Damian Lillard. This is what he does. Battle raps. Go ask Shaq. 
So, little entertainment in terms of games within the games and, you know, outside of, you know, off the court, Twitter. And normally I don't even get into the Twitter stuff, but I, this one, this, when, you know, this happened as soon as the game was over. They were like, this, like these guys were tweeting during, like, walking off the floor, it seemed like. Um, again, a great Saturday of basketball. Uh, the Denver Utah game was a good game, you know, a tremendous game. The Lakers continue to struggle. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with Anthony Davis. Uh, it seemed like he's, you know, like a, a movie, like uh, like he's been a, a character in uh, Space Jam. Like some somebody took his uh, his mojo. Like I, I have no idea. As a Laker fan of 35 years, I have no idea what's wrong with Anthony Davis. Um, he's had games where he's only scored eight points. Um, he had nine points against Oklahoma City. He had only he only had eight points against Indiana. Uh, in like 28 minutes, 29 minutes, he outside. He's had two. They Lakers are two and four in the bubble. Anthony Davis has had two good games. He had the 42 point game against Utah last week, and he had the 34 point game against the Clippers to start to kick off the uh, the, re, the NBA restart. Outside of that, he's been horrible, and that is something that the Lakers Lakers have no chance if Anthony Davis is not playing at a MVP, all-NBA caliber level. Zero chance. Zero. So, again, I, I think when I watch the games, I I think he, he defers to Le, LeBron too much. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's part of it. But even in games where LeBron hasn't played, didn't play, or LeBron didn't play against Oklahoma City, and he had a chance to, you know, kind of flex his muscle, even if they would have lost that, and he was a non-factor in the game. So again, I don't know if his is. I don't think. I think he's healthy. I, I think he had the, he had the eye injury or the eye. He had the eye thing that happened before the Clipper game, but he went out after that and dropped thirty-four against the Clippers. So I'm assuming that the eye is fine. I don't see any. I, I, this is completely to me psychological. Um, but um, Lakers, listen. The Lakers have some issues. Uh, that Avery that Avery Bradley Avery Bradley opted out. Has had a has had a major impact on their perimeter defense, uh, to say the least. Guards are lighting Lakers are lighting the Lakers up, left and right. And the, the ideal or the thought that they might have to play Portland in the first round is you know that that has that is a seven game series written all over it because those guards because McCollum, uh, Lillard, and and even Gary Trent Jr. Right now, will destroy the Laker backcourt, absolutely destroy it. So we'll see what the Lakers can do in terms of you know iron out some of their kinks, some of their issues. Um, they have a game night tonight against Denver. Of course, Michael Porter Jr. has been tremendous along with Jokic. I don't think Denver is a contender, but um, they do have a future star in Michael Porter Jr. You're going to see a lot of teams resting players this week. You already saw it, you know the, you've already saw it you know with the Lakers and Clippers. Uh, Oklahoma City, they have a number of guys sitting out tonight against Phoenix, who is undefeated in the bubble, 5-5-0. Five, five oh. Booker has been tremendous. Utah and Dallas, Mazo is, you, Mazo, you can absolutely, as a fan, skip that game. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Porzingis, and Doncic are all out of that game. So that's something I expect Milwaukee. I expect all these teams that have clinched playoff spots, especially these top teams, to start resting players this week as the playoffs will begin um, a week from today. Um, Zion, as far as Zion Williamson goes, he just got he just has to lose some weight. He has to lose some weight, and you cannot I, – I, I don't agree with how they've handled him as far as not punishing him for being out of shape. Like, no, you're going to play – 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, and you're gonna, you're gonna embarrass yourself. And you're gonna you're gonna show you you're gonna face you're gonna face up to being out of shape. You're gonna face up to being out of shape unless you're just unplayable where you're hurting the team. We're gonna show you how much how badly you need to get to be in condition to be in top condition. So I would play him 25 to 30 minutes just to show him. Yeah, we know you're out of shape. Yep. What are you going to do about it? 
I don't think you can handle him with this handling. They've handled him like a newborn baby. I don't think, to me, that doesn't work. That Colin, I don't believe in Colin at all in any in any walk of life, let alone sports. So he has to lose anywhere from 30 or 40 pounds. And they, again, this is not an injury situation. I, I, I like, he, you know, he finished the regular season before the before COVID, before uh, the NBA shut down. He was not. He had no injury injury concerns going into uh, the break. So this is this is all conditioning. This is strict. His, his, his issues are not injury conditions. Injury issues. They're conditioning. Right at right now, they are absolutely conditioning issues that Zion has. I'm, now, they might, they might be afraid of him getting hurt. But um, his all his issues are conditioning. So he has to lose anywhere from 30 to 40 pounds or 20 to 30 pounds and, and be able to play. He's 20, what, 20 years old, 21 years old. He should be able to play 35 to 40 minutes a night, period. Should not be on minutes restriction, burst restriction, all these other, no. Can't you cannot you cannot handle your franchise player, a guy who who's going to be your franchise player, a guy who's going to be one of the faces of the league, probably the face of the league once LeBron is, is done. Can't handle him like the way they've handled him. They need to come up with a plan. Um, I'll give them. I, I will give them a semi pass because of the pandemic. And this has been such a just you know a wild NBA season, but um, whenever the NBA season restarts—not restarts, but whenever 2021, whenever the next NBA season starts, that that franchise, David Griffin and company, should have, should have a plan in regards to how um, they're going to go about dealing with Zion Williamson. And to me, the plan, the onus is on Zion Williamson. To get himself in shape. Period. Uh, last night, or yesterday into the night, you saw a a new a new a dawning of a new superstar, possible superstar in the world of golf. Colin Morocco Morocco,a twenty three years old, wins his first major. Um, joins a select company of 23-year-olds to win their first major, uh, to win their first PGA tournament at 23. Roy joining Roy McIlroy, Jack Nicholas, and of course the great Tiger Woods um, select company. Uh, this guy, first of all, the tournament was, was, was insane. I mean, at one point, at, uh, and it was a late tournament because it was played. It played on the West Coast, so it ran, you know, ran to uh, then until nine o'clock. At around seven thirty, you had as many as, you know, seven golfers uh, tied at the top of the leaderboard who were seven under, uh, which I something I hadn't seen. In a, I can't remember the last time something I've seen that many golfers at the in the last round tied, leading a major. Um, this guy goes out there, hits a, you know, hits the shot to hit, hit the shot of tournament on the 16th, led to an eagle putt, you know, had another birdie and just pulled away from the rest of the field. And um, I'm always impressed because you know there's nothing. The type of pressure that golfers face is unlike any pressure that that any athlete faces. Period. To me. Uh, they deal. They, I think golf is the most pressurized sport out of all the sports, even more so than tennis, because you are competing not only against other players, you're competing against the courts, and it can just and, and you know things can just happen. Your game, you could be on top of the world in golf in a tournament, and it could just fall apart in one hole. Um, I've seen we've seen many guys over the course of the history of golf choke choke a tournament away, especially in majors. So to see a 23-year-old in only his second major start go about his business and shoot the, you know, the lowest weekend score ever in a major, it's pretty remarkable, to say the least. Now, I'm going to hold off 
and of course, this is natural on the, the Tiger Woods comparisons. I, 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 I understand. I just hold this. Be easy. Be slow down on the Tiger Woods comparisons, please. Um, but I, but I, but this guy has the makeup of a player who's going to win multiple majors, anywhere from five to ten majors. He has that type of makeup. Now, um, the thing that you know jumps out that jumped out about this tournament was the amount of young talent there is in the, in the sport of golf. I mean, golf right now is deeper than it's ever been in regards to young, play, talented players under the age of thirty, and many of them even twenty-seven, you know, twenty-seven and under. A lot of them, guys like Tony, you know, Matthew Wolf and Cameron Champ and Daniel Berger, you know, John Ram, uh, Scott Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler. These guys, a lot, you know, most of these guys, most of these guys are American, and a lot of these guys, you know, are going to be running golf for the next decade. And you know, for the Tiger Woods of the world, it's going to be that much more. It, I think it's going to be impossible for Tiger. To to even to tie Jack Nicklaus for the think about passing Jack Nicklaus Jack Nicklaus for the all time leader in, in majors one I don't see him even approaching eighteen he has fifteen right now I don't know if Tiger can win another major I I, I think I, I just think that the competition is too high um, there are too many great players and I'm not even I haven't even mentioned guys you know you still have the Dustin Johnsons. The Roy McElroys, the Jordan Jordan Speef is not. I know he's down right now. But he's not going to be down for long. Still have those guys, Brooks Kepka. So, I don't see Tiger like that's man. Like I, I, these guys going might put Tiger in into retirement. Um, again, I've never seen the I've never seen a tour this deep. As far as talent, I I would venture to say that you won't see a guy win more than one major in a season for the next four to five years. I don't think you're gonna see. Now you might see it now. You might see a guys win multiple majors over the course of a of a five to six year period, like a Brooks Kepka, something like you might see a guy like like that. You're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna see a guy win multiple majors in a, in a in a given season. I think it's too hard. I think it's I think it's too hard. Um I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock Dustin Johnson. Uh, I know that'll be easy. Um, he now has never won. I think he's 0 for four in terms of him having a lead after fifty four, him having a lead after fifty four holes um and going into the uh, final round of a major. Uh, I know Kepka Kind of mess with you know, try to get into his head about it on on Saturday night, which by the way I had no problem with what Brooks Kepka said. Brooks Kepka is, you know, he's not he's out he's not out here trying to make friends. He speaks his mind. He believes in his ability. He's won four majors. He's only what 29, 30 years old himself. He still has a, a ton of golf left, and you know, he still has some majors left in his career didn't finish the way that uh, he normally finishes and really was the first, his worst major finish in, a, in a, uh, his worst major finish in about two years. Normally that guy is, is a lock to be a top five in a uh, major tournament of, you know, within the last couple of years. But uh, I had no problem with what he said about, about Dustin Johnson. While he was asked a question, he gave a flat out answer. Like he's on, he, what did he say that wasn't true? Dustin Johnson only has one major. And the other guys that were within that were in contention have little to no experience in terms of winning major tournaments and and dealing with final round major pressure. Period. So it's not he didn't say anything that wasn't true. And I'm all, listen. This is this golf is a tough sport. Tough sport to sell unless you're just in, unless you are a sports junkie like myself or a golf junkie. So you know having some having some golfers talk some shit. I have some. I have one guy talk shit. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know. You know, I'm all for it. 
I'm here for it. But um, great tournament, great first major, uh, to, say, to say the least. I, you know, I like when guys are actually making putts and hitting great shots. I don't, I'm not one of these guys who likes to see the, the, the course be the star. Similar, like the U.S. Open, where guys are struggling to break par and then five over, and where five, four or five over wins the tournament. I like to see the, I like to see the ball actually go into the hole. And shot, I like shot making. I like to see high scores, things of that nature. So, thought the golf course played well. Weather wasn't really a factor. Uh, as far as Tiger Woods, he finished strong. Shot 67, was one under. It was never a never a, he was never a uh, a factor as far as never got to never got to um, never thought that he could win this tournament never was in contention to win this tournament you, got, you never thought you never got the idea that he was a major that he was going to be a major factor in this tournament but again he has not played a lot this year we'll see what he would you know there's still two majors left you still have the Masters and the U.S. Open we'll see what happens with those two tournaments. Um, as again, there'll be no open championship this year, no British Open this year, no open championship this year. Um, so again, a great uh, listen, the future of golf is in great hands with all these young players. I mean, if you're a golf fan, you have to be, and this has to be your utopia because there's so much talent in the sport right now. But again, you know, again, that might take away from a player dominating, which we loved when Tiger Woods was dominating. Um, Rory had a stretch. Spieth had a stretch. Kepka has, has, has had a stretch. I think that's over with. I'll be honest with you. I think that I think guys winning, you know, multi, winning multiple majors over the course of the calendar season, over the course of a year, I think that's done. I think you're going to see a lot of guys. Uh, you're going to see a lot of guys win their first major. And, again, there is a plethora of young talent uh, talent out here in, in, in the sport of golf. So we'll see what transpires over the course of the rest of the golfing season. We want to end on some, um, with a little fun here. Um, of course, the uh, Mega Stallion, Cardi B Mega Stallion video came out Friday. WAP. Uh, it has already garnered 60 million YouTube video views in just in three days. It set a record for female artists for a first day YouTube video views at 26 million. And to me, me personally, it's one of the best videos that I've seen in a long time. Now, let's want to deal with the I'll, I'll deal with the quote unquote raunchy raunchiness in a minute. As a as a video, you want to put 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 the lyrics aside. Put the lyrics aside and just you. If you put the mute, put if you had your television on mute, and we're watching that video, you cannot deny the uh, the level, the artistic value in that video, the cinematography, the colors, flawless, flawless video from that standpoint. And again, this is coming from somebody who does not. I don't watch videos for the most part. I I, I don't. Now. I grew up in the 90s when at a time when it was a thing to watch videos. Like you would say, like, oh, did you see the video? Tell you, especially in regards to hip hop. MTV, BT, especially MTV, MTV Jams used to, used to do world premiere on videos. That, that you know, um, to my audience that's 30 and under, yeah, that was a, videos in music were a thing at one point. They were a thing. I haven't been, like I said, I cannot remember the last time I anticipated a video. When I heard that the, that both Cardi and Meg were, were collaborating, and I heard about and I heard about this song, I was like, oh, I got to oh, see this video. I have, to, I have to see. I have to see this video. This video is gonna be wild. And the video is is absolutely it's, it's slapping. The video, like, listen, you cannot deny again artistically. Is can't deny it. And this, I mean, video of the year, it'll be, it'll be, this will be the, the, the summer, the summer anthem without question. Now let's deal with the raunchiness. Grew up, I grew up again listening to 
Foxy Brown, Little Kim, Two Live Crew. This is, to me, this song, as far as raunchiness, is, is nothing compared to, compared to that. Not, it's not even close. I mean, some of the shit that Two Live, Two Live Crew, come on, man, come on. The 90s? Hip-hop in the 90s, some of the, some of the lyrics, like, what? <laughs> like, this is, this is nothing. I mean, BET had videos in the early 2000s. I want to say in that 2001, 2002, 2002 range where they had, like, these videos after dark. I forgot the name of the show. I can't remember for the life of me. But it was, there was a show on BET that used to come on about 2 o'clock in the morning that would show videos that could not be shown during regular hours. That's how raunchy, that's how raunchy the videos were. Okay, so this is the, like this is this is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And I you know I hear I hear people people complain about the lyrics and you know what the WAP what you know what WAP means. Listen, you don't have to have your, if, you, if you don't let your kids watch it. Cool, but that like first of all and but. First of all, if you're allowing Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion to raise your kids, then that's a that, that, that's a you problem, and that's a reflection on you as a parent. If you're allowing, if you're allowing, you know, and, and if you're allowing that those two to raise your kids. But the bottom line is, with YouTube, cell phones, you know, it's pretty it's it's pretty unavoidable that your kid. Chances are that your kid is going to see it. So it's in your job as a parent to instill some values, dignity, integrity in, in terms of your kid. It's not it's not Cardi B's job or Meg Thee Stallion's job. So I heard a lot of stuff. I mean, I heard some stuff, you know, this is taken away from the movement is a distraction. No, it's not. Like, like come on, let's let's be for real. Like if you if you don't have the mental capacity to be entertained and also be a part of the follow the movement, then that's a, again, that's that's a you problem. Like we can, I can do two. I can follow. I can watch a Meg Thee Stallion, Cardi B video, and still be aware of what's going on with Black Lives Matter and the pandemic and COVID. I, I can do can do multiple things at once. I can I'm more than capable of multitasking. Um, I heard another thing about. Female representation, like Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B, are not representing females with this. Meg Thee Stallion graduated from college and is one of the biggest rappers in the game right now. Um, okay, period. Cardi B went from stripping to reality television star to the biggest. Rap, rap, female rap star, one of the biggest rap stars in in hip hop right now. Period. I, they, I don't like. I don't see how you can knock their story. I don't see how you can knock that. You know, that uh, how you can knock their come up. I don't see it. I don't see how you can knock their come. If you if you're being objective, if you're being objective and really looking at the stories of. Cardi B and Meg Thee Stallion, I don't understand how you can even not respect how they've come up in the world of hip hop. Now you can say you don't like the content or the lyrics, cool. You know, everybody, all music is not for everybody. I understand that. But uh, knocking their character, knocking, you know, they don't represent women well, eh, you're gonna lose that battle. They are the definition of female empowerment. Independence. You know, look how Cardi B does business. Look how Meg Thee Stallion does. Look at their business ventures. So, I mean, you want to be you listen. If you want to be objective, you gotta be fair about it. You gotta be fair. But uh, this is going to be the video of the year. This is going to be. Uh, this will be the number one song next year on Bill. Next week on Billboard's without question. Uh, this is the first single from Cardi B's upcoming album, which uh, will drop uh, later on this year. Uh, her second, you know, her second studio album. And uh, again, it, the video is fire. Uh, I, again, I'm not, I have not been into videos for 
for the better part of 15 years. This was a fire, fire video, to say the least. To say the least. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I will see you next time. Matter of fact, I will see you in a couple hours on The Wire, Season 2, Episode 7, Backwash. I'm out.